Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to strengthen their resilience muscle, own their stories, and conquer their fears so they can reach their goals. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Coco Lorraine Vera. She is a corporate trainer, executive coach, and professional performing artist. She's on a mission to help people not just survive distress, trauma, and loss, but thrive by design no matter what. Through expressive art-based workshops, inspirational keynotes, and one-on-one coaching, Coco teaches people how to grieve with grace and transform pain into willpower so we can live a peaceful life filled with purpose. Please welcome to the show, Coco. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. And I just so appreciate the work that you're doing and and your dedication to it. So I'm very, very impressed with everything. Everybody needs to subscribe to this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'd like to start the show with an icebreaker question, because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that I feel is not given enough significance is our name, because our names are said so many times a day, and every time someone says your name, they're declaring that meaning to you. I've had some guests on the show with like original names, and names where the meaning or where their parents came up with the name was even more beautiful than the meanings that we Google online. So I would love to know where your parents came up with the name Coco, or is that short form for something? Uh, Yeah, it's actually short form for Nicole, which doesn't make much sense except for the fact that my older brother couldn't say Nicole when he was little. So he said Coco and the name kind of stuck. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. And so, yeah, he said that. And I kept it as my business name. So my given name is Nicole, which means victory of the people. I think cocoa means chocolate bean. (laughs) (laughs) And Lorraine is my my middle name, named after my beautiful grandmother. And Vera means beautiful as well. So I think... uh, I love it. And I switched the spelling to uh, Lorraine to L.A. Rain because I love to sing. So la and rain, you know, singing in the rain is sort of what I what I talk about in my work. So I the, love the, the it. Lots and lots of meaning. <laughs> yes. Tons of meaning. Yes. Okay. So share with us, Coco, like, what did you want to be when you're a little girl? Cause I find it always very interesting that, you know, who we are today sometimes stems from the dreams and visions we had as little, little girls. And sometimes it's completely opposite of what, or who we wanted to be when we were little, but there's a backstory there. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything on the stage is what I wanted to be. Singer, speaker, actor, performer, dancer. I just loved being on the stage. 
And my mother said I was singing before I could talk. I was always humming something quite loudly, actually. <laughs> you know, just a few months, six months old, and I would just be filling the house with all of my little made-up songs. So, yeah, I loved and um, even wanting to, you know, when I, I was raised in church and I wanted to be an evangelist and get up on the stage and preach and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that was what Okay. So how did you get to where you are today in what you're doing currently? Yes. Well, I started my motivational speaking career when I was 17. I was a teenage mom and uh, it was a very difficult time, as you can imagine. I mean, just the rejection alone from from strangers to the medical community to some family, not all, was difficult. And I was walked into my public health nurse's office at my high school. We had public health nurses in the high schools back then. And I said, I'm going to quit school. And she said, before you do, we'd like you to be a part of a program called Positive Choices. I said, well, it's a little late for that, don't you think? I was eight <laughs> months pregnant at the time. And she says, no, you know, <laughs> she knew that I had the gift of gab and I had sat in her office for, you know, weeks during my the first few months of the pregnancy and she'd give me milk coupons. And I tell her my story instead of going to math class. And she said, we'd like you to be our spokesperson and tell your story to other students to inspire them to make positive choices. And I really didn't have anything to lose because I'd already lost respect and, and support from the majority. As I said, a majority, not all. My mother and, and siblings were quite supportive, but the extended family, not not at all. And mm-hmm. um, and so I said yes to that opportunity and went on that stage after, shortly after my daughter was born. I, that, by that time, I turned 18. And I fell in love with the art of using my story to inspire people. And I haven't looked back. I've been inspiring ever since. It was like, a, you know, I didn't know at the time that I was transferring my pain into power. So I, I later, you know, have been using that that phrase as a way. But it was a magical thing that happened, whereas I would have felt shame and, and and you know, just feeling like my life was over. But the moment I stepped on those stages and spoke to the youth and told them, you know, really transparently what was going on in my heart and how I made the decisions I made and why and that I just found my, my peaceful place. It was like my saving grace. Wow. You see, this is why I love to hear other women's stories because I, I always believe that there's some part of someone else's story that we can connect to, that we can relate to, that, you know, we can think back to our own story to connect it. And I too was a teen mom. I had just turned 17 when I got pregnant with my first daughter. So I can totally relate. You know, the schools didn't want me in the hallways. (laughs) Yeah, the schools didn't want me in their hallways. And I kind of got kicked out of regular high school. And they sent me to a school for teen moms. And I went there to finish off my credits. But as I got older, I wanted to go back into those facilities to give back and to do motivational speaking to those young girls. So that's what I do now as part of my, my give back going into the schools for teen moms and uplifting them and showing them that there, it is possible for them to have greater, you know, after being a teen mom, they don't have to be a statistic. They can still be, you know, a valuable contributing member to society. And no matter what anyone says to you, you know, at that point, you can definitely live bigger and have an amazing life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that you had the exact, the exact same age as I was. I guess I missed that, um, that your story. But that is really awesome to meet another, another young mother. And we're, 
you know, we're young, still young mothers, right? My yep. daughter is 28 now and I, she has two children and so I'm a grandma. Nice. <laughs> and you awesome. do not look like a grandma. <laughs> Grandma's the new black. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm owning it, you know, but I remember the first time I spoke to a bunch of young moms was I went to some of the different homes for young moms um, during, during that time as well. And I just asked them to close your eyes and put your hand on your belly or on your baby and remove the rejection from the family, the not, mm. you know, no money, the stress on the baby daddy, the, you know, remove all of that. What do you feel? And it took them a while to get there, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, that, remove your age, remove that you're maybe not even living at home anymore, that you haven't finished high school yet. What do you feel? And then they kind of went, oh, I feel love. I said, yes. And that is what you're going to need to give to yourself and to that little one for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because money will come and go. Relationships will come and go. Friends will come and go. Circumstances, jobs. But you as a mother will always be. And so to love yourself and congratulate yourself and know Mm -hmm. that you are making the ultimate sacrifice to bring life, Mm -hmm. you know, and when it's right for you to do so. Right. So, yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. There's a question that I, I want to get to, and I'm I'm going to kind of be careful as I get to this question because I already know I, I explained to you earlier I've been extra emotional lately. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize the connection, but there is a young man that was on my social media that a lot of my connections knew. And when he passed away, I seen a lot of people on my feed who were mourning. And it wasn't until a mutual friend of ours let me know that it was your son. So you've lost your son recently. And despite all of your traumas, how have you been able to heal and turn your pain to purpose? You know, interestingly enough, um, my son Jordan passed away in June of 2019. So it's exactly, this is exactly the week that we were in the hospital with him. Wow. Um, and um, trying to bring him back to life. And uh, I wasn't sure when he, I call it transition because I don't like the word death anymore. And I'll, you know, right. I just think that there's so much life after this one. Right. And so I'm trying to be very careful. But for the sake of this conversation, I'll say that he passed away. Um, I didn't know how I was going to uh, survive. I was going to quit motivational speaking because I thought, how can I motivate anybody when I can't get out of bed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I was ready to just kind of give up because, you know, he was my my heart, my second born. Um, I have two beautiful daughters um, that I, I love. And as I said, two grandchildren, but my only son. And um, I wasn't sure how I was going to get through it. Um, I literally thought I was going to end up being this, this vegetable grandma, you know, and mm-hmm. I would love my kids and then stay in bed. I wasn't sure I'd, how I was going to afford <laughs> my bills with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but what I realized was, you know, the 26, seven years of my speaking career and teaching youth and doing workshops and seminars was kicking in. And so my very broken heart was being ministered to by the motivational speaker in me. And sometimes I wanted to punch her in the throat. <laughs> like, I'm sad right now. And I just want to be happy. Leave me alone, you know. Um, yeah. But it's all the years of, of, of doing the work. And recognizing what was toxic about my grieving. And I started to notice 
you know, because I do a lot of about, you know, mindset development and, and recognizing the side effects of trauma and abuse. You don't have to necessarily talk about the trauma and abuse all the time, but what, what was the poison the snake left behind? Mm. You know, if abuse is a snake, if rape is a snake, if trauma is a snake and it bit you, and yes, you can blame the person who left the snake in the garden, right? But that snake bit you and you can get mad at the snake and bash the snake and you can put the person who left the snake in prison or all those things, but we're not addressing the poison which is low self-esteem and learned helplessness and anxiety and all that. So mm-hmm. I studied that for years. And so then I'm recognizing, wait a second, death is also a snake. And it bit me. What poison am I fighting as I mourn my son? And I was recognizing there are so many toxic thoughts that I was having. Guilt. Was it my fault? I should have saved him. What was wrong with me? How come why, this was not fair? You know, I had already lived a hard life and now I'm losing my son. What am I, you know, how can I be? And I started to, you know, automatically unpack those things. And I had all these strategies about self-soothing and my daughter's a yoga instructor, Shantaya, shout out to her and pretty balanced, you know, and my other daughter also does yoga and breathing. And I was like, oh, I really was pissed about the fact that all these things were working, but at the same time, I was happy mm-hmm. that I had the tools in my toolbox. And so then I started developing this grieving with grace concept um, where we are supposed to grieve. I will have a broken heart for the rest of my life, but it doesn't mean that I can't live well with one. Right. You know, that I can still love. I can still show up. I can still speak and cry and mourn. I, I, I can still be sad, but not devastated. Right. And then I started to study life after life and, and started getting these beautiful messages from my son because my, I was turning down the sound of my pain so that I could hear his spirit and feel his touch mm-hmm. and, and celebrate him. And, and so that's kind of how I've been getting through the last, this last year is to, you know, is to use all the tools in my tool belt that I've, you know, put in there over the last years of speaking. Wow. I mean, first of all, my condolences, about your son transitioning and, and to even know that it's, you know, the, the one year anniversary of that happening. I, I, I have goosebumps right now because I interviewed a woman by the name of Natalie Watson, episode 11, and she had lost her only son. Um, he drowned in the Niagara Canal. But when I had her on my podcast, it was also the one year anniversary of losing oh. her son. I have like... Ooh, I have goosebumps everywhere right now. Well, see, that's the power of your purpose, like how who you are. And you are a magnificent force on this planet. It's your purpose to do this. I'm so, this is, this is, this is, that's serendipitous. Wow. Wow. That's, wow. Listening to everything that you said, and I was just sitting here listening, and I was like, wow, wow, wow. Your son was doing a lot of amazing things um, when he passed, and his mm-hmm. um, transitioning was a, a loss to Toronto, a loss to all the people that knew him. And obviously you as his mother, a definite loss, you know, to lose your only son. And mm-hmm. I can't imagine the the grief that you were feeling. And I know that you've been able to, I guess, um, your perspective on how you view things. And what I find beautiful in that is that in 2002, 12 when I lost my sister and it does not compare to losing a son at all um when I lost my sister in 2012 for about six months I went into like a complete like the entire family we went into like a group 
depression and I couldn't function. I was barely eating. Um, you know, I would space out. I, I was so devastated. I didn't know what to do with my life. And I felt like losing her, you know, she took a piece of me with her and it was messages from other people that I had no idea who they were, but they were sending me so many beautiful messages about how she'd helped them or what she meant to them or how she touched them. And that made me think about what legacy do I want to leave behind? You know, how can I be of service and continue to carry on the work that she was doing here on earth? And that completely changed my perspective of her transitioning. And now everything that I do is an extension of that and leaving that legacy and showing that there is still beauty and life, you know, after we've lost a loved one. So there's so much beauty in what you're doing and just your, your story and your evolution of even coming to that point. It's just, it's so inspiring. Thank you. Well, I had that six months too. Like, like, as I said, I was a vegetable. I went, you know, I, I went away for a couple of weeks uh, and then I came back and I stayed in bed. I could not function. I could not, you know, I'm, I, I was blessed to have savings in the bank that carried me, but I was done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't function. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I saw my grief written all over my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, oh, hell no. I'm too cute for this. I still need to have fine hands. I can't. I got to this. Is not, I, I ain't going out like this. <laughs> like if I'm going to have to be on this planet for, for another little while, uh, you know, I, can't, I couldn't function. I couldn't. I, 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 don't, I don't need my grandbabies to be okay. I need my mm-hmm. daughters to be okay. So I had to pull myself out of that. And I started to use this formula called self-soothe. Which, well, it's not my formula, but to smell, touch, taste look at and listen to something beautiful all at the very same time mm-hmm. and calling it morning in beautiful places. My best friend had took, took me to, I had two best friends, both of them named Nicole actually. So there's Nicole. <laughs> um, one took me to a beautiful jazz concert and a dinner. And the other one took me to the Ritz uh, restaurant shortly after my son had passed. And I didn't think I would, I should, I thought I'd be, should be home, you know, in a robe with, with you know, but they took me to these beautiful places and I cried in those beautiful places, mm-hmm. but I was also soothed by the scent, by the sound, by the taste of the food, by the voice of that artist. And I, and it was, I thought, wait a second, maybe grieving and mourning in a dark place makes it worse. What if we were to grieve and mourn in a beautiful places? Mm-hmm. So I, I sat there in the concert and the, you know, the lights were dim and, I just bawled my eyes out for the three first three songs that she sang, you know, <laughs> holding my friend's hand. But it, w- it was healing because I was able to calm my nervous system down with the self soothing mm-hmm. techniques. I was able to learn how to rest my thoughts as the tears came. It didn't take away the pain, but it definitely soothed my body. And then I realized that is what I have to do every time I get overwhelmed and I start to fall into that depression, which is a part of the mourning process. Mm-hmm. I self soothe. So I can come out of it just a little faster, you know? I think it's beautiful that you were aware enough and you were able to find those things to help you cope. And I think that's, a, you know, the beauty of you sharing your story and any woman that's out there listening to it. Because, I mean, we all grieve at different paces. You know, we're all mm-hmm. going through different things or, you know, even if we lost multiple loved ones. We greet each person differently because I had lost my grandmother the year after my, my sister passed and my grandmother had helped raise me and it was a completely different grieving process. But you sharing 
your coping mechanisms, that will help, you know, someone listening to know that there are things that you can do to help you get through those, those tough times. I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy. You do need to, you know, feel the feels and go through the process, but there are things that you can do to help you um, get through quicker. Like you just said. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just want to say uh, and acknowledge that, you know, your beautiful sister and your grandma, that um, they're blessed to have you as their sister. And I know that loss is so painful. And so I'm giving you a virtual hug. uh, (laughs) And I'm hugging right back. (laughs) I feel it. As we (laughs) grieve together, you know, I watch my daughters. They lost their brother just like you lost your sister. Mm -hmm. And that pain is tremendous. Because I really believe that siblings are copies of each other. (laughs) Right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. and so there's a bond between siblings that is so rich and so powerful. And, you know, you, you shared the same womb, you sh- or you shared the same father, the same mother, both, or, or, or mm-hmm. at least one, or, mm-hmm. or the same childhood, the adopted family, the same, you know, so there's power there. What, and so, you know, my heart grieves for what my daughters are going through and watching them. And I grieve for you, what you had to go through losing your, you know, your sister. I don't even like to use the word losing because all is not lost. You know, right. like you lost in physical form, but the yeah. spirits are, are Absolutely. not lost. So, Absolutely. yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you're carrying on her legacy. That has completely turned my life around. You know, like you, I went through that period of not being able to function. I was a vegetable. I sat on the edge of my couch and bawled my head off, cried myself to sleep, woke up continued crying <laughs> like it was just yep. uh, seemed like an endless process but I picked up the baton or she passed me the baton to continue to help other people tap into their potential and to continue being that light for other people like she used to support you know people whose family members didn't support their hustle you know as entrepreneurs she would show mm-hmm. up at their events for them or go and help them set up or encourage them or send them scriptures and motivational videos like she was just that beautiful light for other people and i had no idea until she passed so being wow. able to remember her in a positive way and any blessing that happens i look up to her and i look up to this guy and i say thank you because she is a boss and she's probably up there like rubbing what? shoulders with god and being like listen that is my sister right there <laughs> yep yep so how how is losing your son i guess changed how you view life going forward oh for a while i hated life i was like life sucks i don't know what this planet is about i don't like this planet so stop it i'm ready to get Mm -hmm. off i was pissed Mm -hmm. so angry which is part of the grieving process Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, like, what's the point? I had, I had sacrificed so much to have my kids. And then for me to lose one like that, that was the, my worst nightmare. And then I started to really say, okay, well, I can't live that way because, you know, it's obviously not my time. And so then I began to, 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 to switch my perspective it's, to me, you know, and for some people perspective switching will work. And for others it's like, no, that's not going to work. I need something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, perf- switching my perspective and really challenging every single thought that I, that I was thinking. So what is life? I began to try to define what life is and life is a journey. It's an experience. What is earth? Maybe earth is a, is a school. And I would search for answers until it 
rested in my heart so that I started to feel better. I, mm-hmm. I felt an immediate release. I kept searching and searching and searching. What perspective can I have? The word mother makes you want to protect. You have to, you know, solve. You. I have to fix things. I, I, I'm supposed to save my son. Mm-hmm. But then is that realistic, right? There, there's a saying, a mother should never bury their son, right? Well, mothers bury their sons and their daughters every day. Yeah. So all yeah. the time. So that statement is not true. So if we are, so then what's the point? Okay. I was a host for this little alien <laughs> that came to my belly <laughs> that, that had to have this experience. And thank you for choosing me, however long that experience was. And I really began to recognize a deeper meaning of motherhood and fatherhood and familyhood that it's being chosen whether through adoption or through, you know, or, you know, that's a whole different choice or mm-hmm. giving birth that you're choosing to give this life the whatever time it's supposed to have on the earth. Mm-hmm. And then I started to, you know, I started to think, well, did he choose me as his mom? <laughs> you know, <is> that, <laughs> on a spiritual level, I started getting really like imaginative and, and I, I let my imagination just run wild with beautiful possibilities and, doesn't matter if it's true or not, it brought comfort. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to become grateful for the choice, grateful for the 26 years, grateful for him, for, for, for me being able to experience uh, his life and honored. And then, the, you know, because he did pass away in my arms. Um, wow. I was there when I'm he took sorry. his last breath, right? And I, and I, I was sad and devastated about that until I recognized that that it was sacred versus tragic mm-hmm. that I was able to, if he didn't want me to see it, I wouldn't have been there, but he did. So I was, and that moment became sacred versus tragic. His passing is sacred. Now the, what's leading up to it, the cause of it may have been horrific, but the actual passing itself, spirit leaving body is sacred. Right. And so that helped me to really stop hating life so much. And, and I think, okay, so I'm going to go through that transition too. I'm not sure when, but while I'm here, I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on legacy and, and love and, and leadership and celebrate him and continue. Oh, we're continuing his legacy like crazy. I feel like, you know, so that's kind of how. That answer your question. I forgot what your question. Oh was. my goodness! Can I tell you? I'm sitting here like trying to sniffle on mute. Because... Oh no! I want to hear the sniffle. Oh, oh man! I mean, just even how you've framed making that experience um, from sacred versus tragic. Again, I, I can't. Uh, cannot imagine you know watching your child take their last breath and what that that feels like but as you were saying that again because of our stories my goodness I'm sitting and with my sister when she was passing away she was in an induced coma and when they took her off the meds uh, to see if she would wake up they warned us that her eyes would flicker and I was the last person to see her with her eyes open <laughs> and she stared at me. She stared at me for almost a minute and in her eyes, 
it was like she was saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but your framing so of that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that framing that you just gave that was so beautiful. That so touched me. <laughs> I'm so grateful oh. that it touched you. It really it had the same exact effect on you now that it had on me when I first discovered the word that rediscovered the word sacred. We don't really use that in our language very much. And when I was I recognized, wait, that was sacred. Those moments are sacred. For her to be in that hospital bed with you by her side, you know, there are moments when um, I believe these our our loved ones don't want us to see that because they know what's too much for us. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we're not at the side of the ones that 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 transition, and then there are times when we are at the side of the ones that are transitioned. But but the transition itself is sacred and and beautiful, and um, I'm so grateful that that you shared. Oh, Oh, I'm I'm, I'm I'm thanking you. I mean, this is supposed to be about you, and I feel like I'm getting a therapy session right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's therapy for me too because I don't, I don't have these regular conversations every day. Hey, how are you doing? Did you get some eggs? So let's talk about sacred transition. (laughs) So I don't get a chance to always talk about this either. So I am really appreciative that that you you know that you're using this platform, you know, because. We're both dedicated to healing our world and at least helping our world to feel a little bit better while we go through the crap that we're going through and the painful mm-hmm. things. And so it makes the beautiful things even more enjoyable. I never thought I could see beauty in transition and death. Mm-hmm. Right? I, never, mm-hmm. I, 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 I even I started to reject the idea of death. I looked up the word death. Who came up with that word? What's the origins of that word? Is that word really real? Right. <laughs> no. Because it was it was robbing me of my breath. I wanted to, you know, it was, and and death is such a. It feels like an ugly word. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, what's another word that I can use? You know, try, and then I and then my daughter Shamaya, my oldest, at the funeral, she said, "Does water ever die? Mm. Or does it just transform and transition?" And That's I went, beautiful. Oh. And, she, and I started looking at all these things in our world, right? The caterpillar going into the into the cocoon, which then turns into the butterfly. Right. And the caterpillar looks dead inside the cocoon. The caterpillar's body turns into liquid inside the cocoon. And inside the caterpillar's body is these things called imaginal discs. This is the, the, the cells that turn into the butterfly body. The caterpillar's body turns into liquid, which is protein. Once the protein body is liquefied, it starts to divide the imaginal discs or cells into, you know, just like a baby in the, in the womb divides cells, right. those from, and it becomes a butterfly body. And then it starts to kick itself out of the cocoon because it's too big for the cocoon. Uh, and it's hanging upside down, all wet and soaking, and it needs something to dry and strengthen its wings. So it uses meconium, which is crap, to spread through its wings, <laughs> <laughs> strengthen the wings so it can fly. Right when I when I when I discovered the journey of the butterfly and and mm-hmm. that whole metamorphosis process and water turning into mist turning into clouds turning into rain and ocean and trees that look in Canada especially that look dead and then they spring mm-hmm. up in the spring it's all it's all around us this 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 you know I don't want to get all you know Mufasa <laughs> on you circle of life like. <laughs> 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 but I, but wow. I see that. 
So I don't, I just reject the idea of death now. It does not exist. It's a transition. It's a transformation. It's, it's, a, it's a freedom. And then oh, I'm getting excited now. And then you know, Jordan, <laughs> he suffered with asthma so much. He used to have asthma attacks for three, four, five hours straight sometimes. Uh, wow. You know, he had fungus growing inside of his face. He was so sick and so tired. And, um, and I thought I would rather feel the pain of his loss than see him suffer one more day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel so that if, if it was, yeah, if it was, if it was just his time, I was the host that held him right? mm-hmm. and, and, and it was, it was predestined for him to be here till he's 26 and he doesn't have to suffer anymore. And there's no such thing as death. And there's this whole nother world that's all around us. That's beautiful. And he's free now. Right, doesn't have to pay mm-hmm. rent anymore, or you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. those things make the pain, the agonizing pain of losing him, bearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can just see it right now. He's up there with my sister, and they're partying, and they're living their best life. <laughs> How old was your sister, by the way? She was thirty-nine when she passed. Oh, okay, um, so she's too old my son all right so, you know, get hooked up in, uh, hooked up over there you know <laughs> yeah she definitely took him under her wing and she is taking like, she's a big sister she's a, yes no Andrea's well, everybody's big watching, sister they're watching us right now going go 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 yeah yeah absolutely absolutely oh that's beautiful <laughs> see that's a beautiful thought Thank you. Uh, you're that. welcome. I mean, because she's connected to you and he's connected to me. So, yes. You know, and they're probably up there saying, oh boy, those girls like to talk a lot. Oh, there goes. She's crying. Oh, my mom's going to be crying any second now. Watch. <laughs> I know. Exactly. My sister's like, look at her crying again. <laughs> All she does um, is cry. <laughs> yeah. Jordan's like, uh, how long is this podcast? Because mom is not going to be quiet anytime soon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so tell us what inspires you the most about what, the work that you do. Uh, these aha moments mm. when I share a truth that has worked in my own life and then I share it with someone else and they have the, <gasps> yes, mm-hmm. and they sort of like breathing in this truth and it change and it transformed their heart. That is what I love. There's so many hundreds of stages that I've been on in high schools and different organizations and somebody hears something that just resonates with their heart and that's I mean that's what I live for you know and doing it through art through music poetry painting that kind of thing it's just it's just really beautiful yeah you've you've given me so many aha moments so thank you and I know like the beauty of me doing this and because I I'm I, I love hearing your stories so much that even after I record it, I go back and I listen and I'm, I do the editing so I can listen to it again. Like <laughs> I, I will be hearing these lessons over and over again until I internalize them because I feel like selfishly this podcast is for my healing and I'm sharing it with others. <laughs> well, that's right. And I mean, you're going to become a guru after this. You're going to have to go on tour and speak and share all the all knowledge you're getting from your from your fellow sisters. That's absolutely. That's I share all the stories that you guys share with me. I talk about regularly. Um, so, you know, thank you guys for pouring into the wisdom that I've been able to learn in this life. You guys have all contributed to who I am currently. So thank you. 
Well, you, you know, thank you for the platform. It feels really great. I, I have a podcast too, and I listen to it sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, what did I say that? You know, so t- you tell us the name of your podcast. Thing, we right? make sure that our listeners can head over there and listen as well. The Inspired by Coco podcast. I think Perfect. I haven't done an episode since probably the fall, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, it was it was a, a space for for me to just kind of share my thoughts as I was starting my healing journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so cathartic to be able to just speak, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us one thing that most people don't know about Coco. I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And people are like, yeah, right. You're, you're a lying. Oh, my God. Like, oh, I'm so serious. Like, if I have to go into a networking meeting, I hate it. You're introverted. I, it. <laughs> I am, even though I love the stage. And I love speaking and I love, I love, you know, performing, but get me to talk one-on-one with someone in, that I don't know that, you know, in a networking session and I'm, I, I get tongue-tied, like, hi, mm-hmm. who were you? Uh, my <laughs> name is. <laughs> See, you and I are kindred spirits, okay? Because I am the same. <laughs> People are like, how are you shy? You talk on stages, you have a podcast. I'm like, you have no idea how introverted I am. I go to networking yeah, events and I, we'll stand in a corner. <laughs> in a corner. I'm holding up the wall. I am literally holding up the wall. And somebody said to me, you have to bring your stage presence to your co- everyday conversations. And I'm like, that's not going to work. Because I'm like, hey, how are you doing? It's good. Just, like I said, you can't. I can't bring my stage <laughs> presence to those networking conversations. Because then I look like really hyper and really happy and mm-hmm. <laughs> excited. <laughs> And then I start talking about something so deep, right? So how many children do you have? And are you happy to be a mother? And was there any childhood trauma involved? Like, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, because we love deep conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know I how to have you. surface conversations. How's the weather? Uh, I don't care. I mean, right? I'm like, didn't you just come Canada? from outside? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. I love you. Oh, my goodness. I, I call it the Janet Jackson syndrome because she's, so amazing on the stage but then when you get her she's like hi and I'm like oh get it I love you you understand me you're serious I'll get out you know I love it I love it okay so with everything that you've been through and on top of that you are helping other people grieve with grace like what does your self-care routine look like how do you take care of Coco it's still a work in progress and it kind of changes right so the self-soothing thing for sure is my number one go-to when I'm like really, really stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep my circle very small. Mm-hmm. Although I think I want to put you in it because you're amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, keep my circle very small. I, I don't watch a lot of TV, although TikTok is just becoming up, I'm obsessed at this point. <laughs> um, and so that's not helping. I have lots of naps, lots of naps. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm a grandma now, so I think that's normal. And uh, <laughs> listen, I take naps, and I ain't no grandma yet. <laughs> oh, I love naps. Um, <laughs> I think um, playing with my grandchildren, going to see them as often as I can. It's been hard during COVID trying mm-hmm. to protect them, mm-hmm. but um, they bring they bring such a joy and a peace to my heart. I have a yoga session with my daughter Shantea. She just I'm like when I'm crying, I'm like oh, I need to help me to you know, and she'll mm-hmm. you know she's such a calming voice. Um, so what else do I do? I talk to my honey pie who uh, you know, 
called me on the phone and we talk and I'm blushing now. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely part of my self-care routine. Good girlfriends, you know, uh, get on the phone with them and help have them, ask them to talk me off the bridge, you know, Mm -hmm, kind of thing. mm -hmm. So, and chocolate, I would say. Yes. Chocolate is is mandatory. Yep. Lots of chocolate. (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) So I have a completely random question, which I ask all the women who come on the show. And it's because I came across this article in the Reader's Digest. And it's basically saying that your favorite type of shoes um, determines your personality. They can tell, you know, what type of person you are based on your favorite shoe. So my question to you, Coco, is do you know what your favorite type of shoe is? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe, uh, uh, I don't know, a flat flip-flop, stilettos? pumps, uh, walking shoe, loafers. Yeah. I love really cute stilettos. Okay. My Six kind of girl. Heels with, oh yeah. I just, with a pair of skinny jeans and a cute top. To me. Oh girl. <laughs> uh, they hurt like heck, but they cute as all get out. Yes. So, you know, I definitely willingly suffer the the pain and just try to find my my goal is to find a comfortable, cute stiletto. Okay. When I find those, I'm, I'm in heaven. <laughs> okay. So it says women in flashy stilettos work hard and have excellent taste. Women who wear flashy stilettos like Jimmy Choo's and Christian Louboutins or other heels inspired by their aesthetic they may seem materialistic, but these women are actually incredibly hardworking. They have major drive, determination, and standout work ethic. This is someone who says yes before she says no. She's very willing and very open to possibilities. She also really loves and values beauty, so she surrounds herself with beauty, whether it be in things, people, or how she lives. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be pleasing to the eye. You'll walk in and go, oh, what a lovely room, or this is so inviting. She has a knack for being able to create an aesthetically pleasing space. Does that sound like you? Yes. Wow, I do have an, I I do I do like very pleasingly beautiful things. Um absolutely. So, I like that definition. Wow, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, okay. So, before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. Oh, all of my handles, and I'm so glad I remember how to say that. All of my handles are Coco <laughs> Lorraine Vera. So, it's C O C O L A Rain V E I R A. Once you start typing in L A Rain and then V, you'll get me. But that's on Instagram. That's on, I, though I never tweet, Twitter, Facebook. Yes, I still use Facebook. I even have me too. it on TikTok. I haven't done very many TikTok videos. But yeah, if you want to find me, that is where to go. And um, I'm developing, I'm writing a book about breathing with grace and developing awesome. an online course to come and stuff like that. So I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I'll have all your direct links so they can contact you in the detail section so they don't have to search too far. They can just click on it and connect with you directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pop in my DM. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And you just answer a couple reflection questions with the first thing that comes to mind. 
All right. So name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. Heinz Feet, like Heinz Ketchup, Heinz Feet mm-hmm. and High Places. Mm. What's that about? It's a it's an allegory about this girl named Much Afraid who had to go to high places with the chief shepherd and she held the hand of sorrow and suffering along her journey and her relatives called the fearlings tried to hold her back and she had to climb the precipice of pain and the the desert of loneliness and she just it was just a beautiful way of explaining what happens with us emotionally and and the journey and the sacrifice and being willing to let go um, so I love that book, Hind's Feet and okay. High Places. Now add that to my mm-hmm. reading list. Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say, Grandma's the New Black. Uh, <laughs> and then the tagline is kind of long, but it would say, for all of you teen mothers out there who've made the sacrifice to give life, wait until your grandkids are born. It's 100% worth it. Mm. Beautiful. What new belief, behavior, or habit have improved your life in the last five years? Well, I guess it's Grieving with Grace, you know, because it stands for growth, restoration, acceptance, creativity, and empowerment. Um, So just developing that whole concept of of how to mourn in beautiful places and grieve with grace. What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. Myself. (laughs) (laughs) No to, yeah, no to the things that kept me comfortable in my chaos. So I can find, you know, because I had habits, I had, uh, you know, uh, things that were unhealthy that, you know, that were also comforting. And so mm-hmm. learning to say no to those things and sort of suffering through the detox, you know, of, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat Big Macs breakfast anymore. Like I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to wait for that healthy relationship. I'm going, I'm going to deny, you know, those crazy urges that are, that are like, um, just like coping, unhealthy coping mm-hmm. strategies and go for the, go for the gold, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Mm. I think I would wish that we would be more gentle with ourselves, especially mm. when we're in pain. Um, you know, we have, I think we deserve lots of care and comfort. And, and so, yeah, it's really, I, I find I do a lot, and a lot of my coaching work that I do is a lot of, Okay, so you're in pain. Let's not beat yourself up while you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, let's 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 look for recovery without causing more damage. So, yeah, being gentle, um, radical self care, radical self love, radical self acceptance, um, searching mm-hmm. for that peace of mind and that, that you know and that and that peace of heart that is so needed in this very painful world that we live in. That's also very beautiful at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow. Coco, thank you so much for sharing not just your story, but for even helping with the aha moments. So thank you so much for sharing your heart with us. I truly, truly appreciate you today for taking this time to not only, like I said, not only just share your story, but you know, you definitely spoke to my spirit today. So thank you. 
Well, well, thank you for the opportunity for me to share and speak um, and to allow people to walk in my is it stilettos. <laughs> so, um, you are truly a leader in this industry, and I thank you for, for the sacrifices you're making and for the space that you're creating. Um, and I truly am, I truly am honored to be a guest. I've been admiring from afar. You know, you you know, you made it when you get to be a guest on a walk in my shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Coco. (laughs) And to all of you faith walkers out there until next time, subscribe on all platforms, rate the show and leave a review on Apple podcasts. Join the community of Faith Walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awalkmystilettos.com and be sure to grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you can think of one person, then I'm going to challenge you today. If you can think of three people that would receive value from Coco's testimony, please share it with them. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram. You can tag Coco at Coco Lorraine Vera and you can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. <laughs> <laughs>